Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. When Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets and that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near a lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells you what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified. His face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters are brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they cannot explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to solve, to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven, until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sits over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You have had goblets from his temple brought to you, and you have 
You and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he said the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, techel, parsin. Here is what these words mean. Mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Peres, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us again. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Speak to our hearts, Lord, that we may hear and move with you and in you. Through Christ we pray, amen. So where do you think, who do you know is unreachable? Who is so locked up in their fortress of their world or their life or their addiction or their struggle or their brokenness that you can't imagine God even breaking through? They just seem so blocked. They can't even hear. Our king, Belshazzar, is in a fortress city, Babylon, with walls over 300 feet high, 75 feet thick, and he is partying. We don't know why scholars tell us if it was a king's birthday or whether it was some major event in the Babylonian religious calendar. Uh, Daniel doesn't tell us, but everyone's there. All the leaders of government society, the armed forces are there. They party full well aware that apparently that Cyrus and his armies are coming from the north. You see, Cyrus was uh, known to uh, Belshazzar and his dad, this guy Nabonidus, who uh, was okay with Cyrus taking territory up to the north for a while. But then he set his eyes on Babylon. Now he's moving toward Babylon And now Belshazzar's dad is out there dealing with that and actually in retreat from from, uh, Cyrus, uh, the uh, Persian who's on the move to try to take Babylon. Belshazzar, the son, was left to defend the city, and he's partying. And he's partying not only with uh, the swag of ignoring an impending army arrival from uh, Cyrus's army. He's partying with holy objects taken from the temple of God. Gold and silver goblets, drinking vessels that were taken so seriously that the prophet Isaiah tells those who even carry the goblets to purify themselves. So, to party wildly using these goblets as a desecration. It's like someone using a communion cup for a drinking game. King Belshazzar would have known better. 
he would have known this was sacrilege. Not only are they partying with an impending uh, invasion coming down in the swag of thinking their city is untakeable, surrounded by a moat 300 feet high. Not only are they partying using Yahweh's goblets sacrilegiously, they're actually worshiping as they're doing so, praising the gods of gold and silver, iron, wood, and stone. So there's more than just a wild party going on here. There apparently is pagan worship going on. This is all a taunt of God by Belshazzar. Belshazzar is taunting God. Then all of a sudden, God shows up. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. The Hebrew indicates this is actually a detached human hand. That'll get his attention. God is able to crash our parties. Whatever we may be focused on, however impregnable the, the, the world, your immediate world may seem to be, God can get in. I always chafe when I hear people say they took God out of schools. No, you, you can't take God out of schools. God can get into schools. God is on the move, working to get into schools, loving it. Someone once said, as, always, as long as there is tests, there's going to be prayer in schools, right? Well, there's that too. But God, who, who can get through to Belshazzar's parting palace in Babylon, is at work in our schools in God's time and God's way. God does not have to be on the guest list. God doesn't need to pass. God doesn't need our invitation. God can just roll up and start speaking. And maybe it will be through some sign. You know, maybe will be the sign that God uses to speak in a situation. Maybe we'll see the sign. Maybe we'll be the sign. Maybe we'll be in a group conversation somewhere, and the conversation will be going to a dark place, and God will use our hand to raise our hand and say, wait a minute. Or maybe we'll be in the midst of some group and we get the gossip mill going and God will use his hands to raise our hands and say, wait a second, and be that writing on the wall. The point is the living God whom we worship is no shrinking violence. There's no place he can't speak. Now, we never know how people respond to God's writing on the wall or how we will respond. The king in our text, watched the hand as it wrote. <clears throat> his face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. And the one theory here is that the Hebrew describing the king's physical state in verse 6 actually means that the king lost control of his bladder and his bowels. Whatever happens, uh, to use the vernacular of my generation, the king freaked out. So he calls in his panel of experts to figure out what's, what the writing is. Apparently it's not clear what it says, and it's probably pointed, it's probably unpointed Aramaic. So it's Aramaic consonances without, consonants without vowels. Well, there's all kinds of strange things in our lives that can be signs that for, for better than for worse. For, for sometimes it's very, very obvious when God's trying to get our attention. When I was in uh, Costa Rica years and years ago on a church mission trip at an orphanage, I was playing soccer with the kids, and one of the kids, was me or one of the kids, kicked a ball over the wall. So I, the, when I was 18, 19 years old, I start climbing the wall, and the kids and the, and the 
the orphanage people come out, no, 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 polizia, polizia, ah, you know. And so they were warning me, I found out afterwards, that the across the side, other side of the wall was the central police station of San Jose. And they had warned the kids not, or nobody to climb that wall again or else, dot, 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 right? Okay, well, that's pretty obvious, the signs on the wall there. What, when people, God gets your attention, sometimes it's incredibly, incredibly obvious. God speaks even through little Costa Rican kids when you're playing soccer. God can speak through a job loss. God can speak through struggles at the end of a relationship. God can speak in all kinds of ways. I remember uh, driving uh, through Fremont when I was in, uh, I was before I'd been, before I was married and I was uh, in part of the dating world and I was struggling with some things in with relationships and, and feeling frustrated. And what comes on the radio? But Pablo Cruz. Remember Pablo Cruz? But it's all right. Once you get past the pain, you'll learn to find your love again. So keep your heart open. Love will find a way. Pablo Cruz, the voice of God in that moment, right? God used Pablo Cruz to speak to me. The writing on the wall, encouragement. God will do that. And even in your impregnable fortress of your struggle and loss and pain that feels like you're, you're encased in cement, God can break through that. And speak words of encouragement. Or if you're climbing the wrong wall, God can send little children to say, don't do that. And it'd be very clear, step down. Pablo Cruz, little kids, Costa Rica, Fremont, wherever you are, God speaks. Sometimes, though, it's hard to know. Sometimes it's obvious, the warnings, the encouragements. It couldn't be more clear. Sometimes, though, like in our text, we're baffled. Okay, what does it mean that I didn't get that scholarship that I always thought I was going to get? What does this mean that I just thought I was doing the right thing and I kind of got beat up for it? You know, what does it mean that I I was expecting a good diagnosis and and I got a bad diagnosis? What is God saying when we feel listless and and lack of motivation, or or how is God speaking in way when, when things happen that I just don't understand? Well, King Belshazzar faces this, and he calls in enchanters and astrologers and diviners to figure it out. And they can't. And then he gets even more terrified. But thankfully, we have the queen comes in here. And she's probably the queen mother, because obviously she moves pretty decisively toward him. She tells him about Daniel. He brings Daniel in. Daniel's probably about 80 years old now. And he's smart. He doesn't want to be obligated to the king. So he says, no, thank you to the gifts, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think is going on here. And he starts out, Daniel starts out interpreting what the writing is by telling a story. He says, O king, the most high God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. And the story continues for another three verses. It's the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the ancestor of Belshazzar. Several um, uh, you know, parts removed, it's been several generations. Rose to power, became arrogant, brought down by God, finally acknowledged God. Daniel tells the story, which ends with Nebuchadnezzar humbling himself. Then he pulls Belshazzar into the story, saying, but you have not humbled yourself. You instead set yourself up against the Lord. Sometimes the signs God gives us 
will be hard to hear. So it is with Belshazzar. The inscription written on the wall means Belshazzar's time is up. And so he learns this the hard way. God is always speaking to us, through us. If we'd listen. I don't think the God of scripture wants us to learn the hard way, but God will stick to us all the way to the end. God may speak through people. God may speak through the radio. God may speak through movies. God may speak through people in your life. We can decode other ways of God speaking everywhere when we know the scripture. Because that's the clue. And this is, this is what we learn here. If you're looking for how to interpret the signs, Daniel shows us four key steps in how he handles the king here. First, he starts with God. First and foremost, his first words among, to the guy and the, to, to, to Belshazzar on that story, Daniel calls the most high God. He focuses on the reality of God. If you want to figure out the signs in your life, it's fine to go to counselors, talk to your friends, take time to be in silence, but most of all, attend to the most high God. Secondly, ground yourself in the story of God. So there is a God and he has a story for us. And that's what Daniel does with Nebuchadnezzar's telling Nebuchadnezzar's story to Belshazzar. We figured out our present situation by looking back at our past and we can we can see more clearly as Daniel's trying to help Belshazzar do here by looking at our past. Look to your ancestors. If you want to figure out what God is saying in the present, look at what he said before. And that's what the Holy Scripture does. We have to learn it and know it and put ourselves in it. This is the foundation of figuring out the science, to know our story, to know the God who's in charge, and to know our story with God. And then the third step in interpreting the signs is to prepare to be confronted or to prepare to be the one doing the confronting. And that confronting could be with an encouraging word or a supportive word or a word that pushes someone out and says, go for it. Or that confrontation could be a word to, to pull back or to challenge. Lastly, after remembering the Most High God, knowing our story with God, being prepared to be confronted or the one doing the confronting with an encouragement or with a challenge, the last thing is, know what's at stake. For Belshazzar is killed the very night after he sees these signs. Hearing and seeing the signs and taking them seriously can be a matter of life and death. Hearing hearing God and responding to God involves high stakes. Maybe if Belshazzar had repented, cried out to God, maybe at least his life would have been spared. Scholars point out that Daniel sounds a lot like a Hebrew prophet here when he speaks to Belshazzar. He doesn't give Belshazzar a direct chance to repent, but scholar Ernest Lucas points out that this is true of many prophetic oracles of judgment. Lucas says, there seems to have been the understanding that there was always room for a positive response, which might then lead to judgment being reverted or at least reduced. It's what happens when Nathan confronts King David in his adultery. This happens when the prophet Jonah confronts Nineveh. But it doesn't happen to Belshazzar. For whatever reason, he, we never hear him getting a chance to repent. So our call is to know that God is still speaking. And in our, in our desire to read the signs and hear the signs, to know that God is more committed to showing us and leading us to, in the signs 
then we are able to get them right. God is tenacious in this way. God is tenacious and relentless in showing us the signs. And God will send people to help us decode them. God will send us to help other people do that. And as we do that, may we know that God who's in charge, our story with him, may we be prepared to be the one confronted or the one confronting, the one encouraging or the one being encouraged. And may we remember what's at stake, knowing that God has got us and will be relentless in reaching us to pull us back from the brink. May it be so for you and for me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.